Welcome to the Health Podcast, where we talk about everything health, lifestyle and performance, amongst other things from the world of endurance sports, with me, your host, Coach Morg. Welcome to episode five of the Health Podcast, the Health, Lifestyle and Performance Podcast. Um, this week, we're actually... Um, Got our first guest on, uh, and uh, someone who I actually said on the very first podcast we should get on. Uh, someone referred to, I even referred to as Mr. Stato, um, uh, Dan Dickinson. So, uh, welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Really honoured to be on. No, no, it's great, and um, I know it's it's great to catch up with you in general, really, because uh, obviously um, we normally hook up for a coffee every now and again. A, uh, an americano with cream that's our drink of choice in it um in the cafe and um we've um you know it's great to sort of see your face and catch up even though we've been keeping uh, in touch uh, by a facebook messenger and stuff um so i think it's worth sort of explaining to the listeners really um firstly um um they know a bit about me um obviously it'd be interesting to let them know how we met and i think uh, it almost goes back to almost 10 years now ago when uh, we we're both training with um uh, GI Tri down in Doncaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Paul Corns, who someone else ought to get on this podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, we should get us all on, really. Be, uh, I don't know if it'll turn into a bit of a, um, I don't know, a bit of a grumpy old men's session uh, if, if we do that. Um, but yeah, we're training down there. And um, I think, really, in the sort of, um, for me, I was obviously working with British Triathlon at the time. Um, obviously, you've um, really got into the sport of triathlon since then um gone from those early days right through to where uh, we'll talk about let you sort of tell a little bit about your history and stuff like that um but yeah that's where we met and our daughter go to the same school and all that sort of stuff and uh um obviously yeah. um both coaches so it's kind of like you know um it's fair to say that we're, we're forever uh bouncing ideas off each other and comparing notes is a, is a probably a good way to put it sort of thing so do you want to tell us a bit about your sort of history in triathlon dan and um you know where it all started and uh, where it's led to today. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, like I say, thanks for thanks for having me on, uh, Mark. Really honoured. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really started for me. Um, I've I've always been a runner, really, from from a young age. Uh, ran mainly fun runs with with my with my mum, really. Um, from being, I think, maybe eight years old, maybe even younger. Uh, but never did anything comp- competitively. It was just about just getting out there and, uh, and running, really. So I sort of developed a, a passion from from a young age. Um, I was into other sports as a kid, like football and, and what have you. Um, but I always kind of went towards the individual sports. I wasn't really a team a team sport person. Um, I did other sports like golf and uh, martial arts, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, like I said, I never went into the team team sports. Um, but fast forward to sort of my multi-sport journey in, to my multi-sport journey really was um, I started off in adventure racing for, um, for a company that I used to work for um, they, they came in one day and said uh, we're doing this sort of team building thing we're going to go over to Ireland and race this adventure race do you fancy it? And a few of us got together and said, yeah, we'd love to do it. Um, cut a long story short, never actually went to Ireland, but we did lots of sort of training races and whatnot. Um, I then left that company. They went on to Ireland and did the racing, and I came and lived in, in Doncaster. Um, and that was sort of in the mid, mid-2000s, really. Um, and it was funny. It was a, a conversation I was having with my cousin who lives out in the States. And... Um, you know, he knew that I'd been into running from a young age and whatnot. Uh, and he said, do you ever thought of doing a triathlon? And I kind of said, well, I've heard about these things, but my swimming is shocking. Um, if you've you ever seen me swim, you wouldn't be asking me to do a, a triathlon. So um, so anyway, but he, he kind of set a, 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 um, a spark, really. And you start thinking, you know, could I, could I do one? Um, anyway... Next thing you know, I'm signed up to Blenheim Triathlon Sprint Distance 
this is like Christmas 2008. Signed up to do that later on that year. Um, did that and got the bug, basically. Um, went on from that to doing London Triathlon that same year um, and, and been progressing ever since, really progressing up through the distances. I think the first uh, middle distance was in 2010. I did the Vitruvian. And uh, as I got the as the distances went longer, I just felt like it sort of fit the way that I like to train. And you know, if you're going to train for a big event, it wants to be a big event. Um, so the, the the bigger race has kind of always appealed to me. Um, did my first long distance event in 2012 at the Outlaw. Um, my time that I got for that, I swear, was a sub. Uh, sub 11 because I've got a picture of me coming over the finish line and there's a clock at the side and it says 10 and it, the other bit's cut off and when I got my race time through it said 11 oh, 0, 0, 0, 1. <laughs> so officially at that point I wasn't a sub 11 iron distance uh, athlete but right, yeah. as far as I'm concerned that, that was <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I mean um like I said, I always felt like those were the distances that I was more suited to. But I think every long distance race I've done, I've always had these issues. And uh, we've all been there. Well, most of us have been there. Walking the run, stomach like feeling like it's just, yeah, it's just killing me. I mean, forced to run because I've got no energy. Um, sorry, forced to walk because I've got no energy. Just that. that Familiar story that, but you know, something keeps us coming back. Like next time, I'll try something else, and it'll get rid of these issues. And you always finish your race thinking never again, and then two minutes later, you've got all the answers for a better performance next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, I joined a couple of uh, triathlon clubs and teams over the years. First one being uh, GI Try, as you say, where we kind of came together. Um, so yeah, progressed on from there. Had a couple of, had a few decent results over the, over the years. Um, age group wise, I've won a couple of age group races. Um, Diva middle distance a couple of years ago. Um, and the uh, long course, uh, not long course weekend. The uh, Lakesman up in the Lake District, obviously. Um, won my age group up there back in 2018. Um, yeah. So I kind of progressed really over the years and kind of learning as you go along. I was going to say it's um, it's fair to say it's fair to say all I've managed to do something that we've got us both on screen at the moment. Um, that's better, isn't it? Um, yeah. I don't know how I did that, but I suddenly <laughs> uh, technologically wise. So for those who are listening on the podcast, this is obviously going out live to our uh, um, our uh, Volv Endurance Try, which is our online community, and uh, they can watch it live. Whereas um, um, obviously, on the podcast, you're just listening to the recording. Um, we're trying out some new technology now, and I've suddenly managed to get uh, me and Dan on the uh, on the same screen. Um, it's fair to say um, you've had some pretty good results. Uh, you're a very modest guy, and I'm going to sort of probably make you blush now. But you know, you've had top ten at long course weekend, which you know um, is no mean feat because there's some that's become a really popular event, and there's some quite sort of tasty athletes get involved in that, and. Um, you know, you've uh, gone gone over there and proper old your own, haven't you? Yeah, I mean that that that's a different event in itself. Uh, long course weekend. Um, I'm sure many people have done it, but it's that. You know, you, for the start, you're swimming on a Friday night. What? No triathlon starts on a Friday night for the start. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone's down in Tembe. There's that sort of party feel to it. Everyone's on the beach. There's fireworks going off and, and whatnot. And then you go to bed that night. Think right, I've got 112 mile bike next day. So you get up and you do that, a bit more fatigue, you go to bed that night, you wake up next morning, your legs are dead from, from biking, obviously, and then I'll run a marathon now. And uh, it's just that that fatigue builds up, whereas obviously yeah. in a tri traditional triathlon, you just one after the other after the other. And it's just a different a different uh, different way of racing. And I recommend it to anybody if it if it comes back <laughs> next year. Yeah. 
I was going to say it's fair to say, um, and we'll, we'll sort of we'll mention the C word now that we're all sort of locked away, COVID nineteen and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, as someone who's raced at quite a high level, and you know, I we'll talk more about um, your sort of training and what you do and um, how you sort of um, and um, we'll talk about biohacking because that's one big thing that we've got in common that we're always we're always messaging each other about. Um, but how are you coping in this lockdown, and you know how? You, what, how you well, how has it affected your training obviously um and how are you sort of like differentiating it, i'll be honest at first it it kind of got me more up here i think i think it i think everybody's kind of got used to uh or, or not got used to but has kind of approached it in their own way and managed it you know in their own way and initially it's like you know everything's a threat which I suppose we should think of it like that. Um, but, you know, don't go outside, don't do it. And just everything just sort of started getting into the um, into my mind. And it and it, it, took, it did take me a few days. You know, I put some some crazy posts out on Facebook. I'm sure plenty of people saw that and uh, yeah, yeah. whatnot. And, you know, I, I did it. I, I kind of regret it now, but, you know, it's out there. Um, but I kind of took a deep breath and sort of, Doing some some of my own research and thinking about you know uh, immune system how how much am I going to damage my immune system by keeping on intensity and whatnot so I kind of rattled back the intensity from what I would normally be training at at this time of year um, cut down my long runs brought them right in because obviously don't want to at the time I was thinking you don't want to be out for a long time. Um, and it's a kind of a uh, educating myself really, listening to um, a lot of podcasts. There's a couple of ones I listen to are quite scientific. Yeah. Um, just going out, really delving into it and seeing exactly what um, you know what what it was. Are we actually getting the, the, the right uh, message from the media and all that kind of thing? And coming up with my own um, abbreviation of it, and then replanning my training really. Yeah, I think, sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's really interesting what you're saying there about the immune system. And I know you shared a few posts on Facebook, a few sort of scientific articles that you found and things like that. And I think, um, I think that's well, it's been the hardest for most people is that you know, um, the way some people train in general is incredibly, you know, um, damaging to the immune system. Um, and there's always going to be that little bit of suppression in the immune system to be training at you know, high volume and you know quite high intensities and things like that but i think the biggest thing i've seen during this and um i'm not sure if you've seen similar i'm pretty sure you have i think we've discussed it a couple of times on messenger but um so many people have treated this as an opportunity to train like a pro and just ramp yeah. the training up gone almost the opposite to what you've done where you've you've taken a, you've taken a real sensible approach there and kind of gone look this is a stressful situation it already is um let's take a bit of stress off and and be sensible about it, whereas other people have almost gone the opposite way and gone, "Whoa, fantastic! I'm furloughed from work, therefore I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to smash more out of my body." Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like you, the, the ideal opportunity now is to get the resting. You know, you, yeah. you can, you can. I mean, to me, you know, usually you know, rewind a year, you'd be going out training and then you'd be working all day, not getting that opportunity to rest, recover, and go again. Now you've got the opposite of that. You can still do, you know, an amount of training, but you've got more time to recover, and that's where you can take more of a professional attitude for racing. Uh, sorry for training for me. Is that is being able to rest more than uh, more than you would normally, um, and staying out of those, you know, stressful meetings and getting up at five and four o'clock to drive to Scotland for a meeting and. There's none of that at the minute, and it's um, it's for me. It's taking those opportunities and uh, yeah, growing from them and being able to um, yeah, uh, yeah, no. and go again. Yeah, to totally. And I think you know, obviously, um, for me, I'm, I'm a, obviously you know, um, you know my full story about how uh, I got. I was quite appalling. For me, I'm just getting back into training and enjoying the process and. Shedding a bit of bit of those excess pounds, um, which have um, been great. But I think I'm the same. The biggest thing difference for me now is 
rather than trying to squeeze some training around a really, really busy work schedule, um, obviously coaching stupid hours, um, I'm actually a little bit, I've got a little bit more sort of structure that allows me to sleep better and get better recovery properly um, rather than just grabbing something on the fly and stuff like that. And I think, I don't, I think irrespective of what level you're at, um, you know, I think yeah, this, yeah, yeah. yeah, the opportunity there is to... You know, you've got time to prepare food, you've got time to think, you know, do things right. Yeah. And what I need to do, and I think a lot of people need to do, is take the lessons that we've learned in this current crisis situation and keep doing them. You know, there's a good, another great thing is being able to spend time, more time with family. You know, us two, I've got a, a young daughter, a nine-year-old, and been able to spend time, you know, as a three, and, um, you know, enjoying time together. Yeah. Uh, making food together and, you know, doing all those things. So. It's, um, so what you're saying is just taking the positives out of it. It's a, it's a rubbish situation yeah. to be in. Yeah, we can't race. Face it, you know, we can train, we can rest, and we can spend time with family. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're not going to join that queue of um, people trying to get into KFC at Doncaster. No, 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 no. or Costa. <laughs> yeah, or Costa. Yeah. Um, right. on, on Facebook that um, yeah well I think it's the same all over the country but um, yeah it, it's amazing how quickly people revert to typing it um, yeah. once it's over but I think yeah I think the biggest thing anyone listening to this can probably take away from um, things look at the positive ch- things that have come out of this the positive things in lifestyle and uh, like you said there just keep it going if you can once we get Don't back get to me wrong, it's a terrible thing nobody wants this nobody wants to be in this situation but we're in it, so you know, yeah. take the precautions. You know, if you go out, be careful. You know, do what the government's telling you to do, whether you believe it or not. Just stay safe. Yeah, yeah. Take the NHS and all that. <laughs> yeah, just of a slight sort of point here that, um, and uh, again, a little bit of common ground between you and I. Um, obviously, both of us spent a bit of time in the military. Um, yourself um, with the parachute regiment. Um, yeah. You know. Um, do you find that that's helped sort of deal with, you know, obviously you've already, you know, irrespective, you know, jumping out of an aeroplane is a stressful um, um, thing in itself. Um, so have you found that anything from a military, your military career has kind of like helped you sort of deal with them? Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, some, it's something, that mindset, and you'll know what I'm talking about, that, uh, it's always it's it's there in the back of my mind, and sometimes I wish it was in the front of my mind. And sometimes yeah. I'll I'll emotionally respond to something when you know back then I probably wouldn't have done. It. I'd have been a bit held a bit firm, as they say. And uh, and um, so sometimes I need to bring that forward, but it's definitely had an influence. You know, you can't you can't deny yeah, that. Yeah. In situations like this, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, uh, you think these these situations are bad, but you know, wartime and all that, it's just, just nothing, is it, really, <laughs> to be fair? Yeah. On the scale of it. But, we're, you yeah. know, the situation is what it is. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I think it was interesting, a, a, a lad who I, uh, I served with, um, with, with during this process, we hooked up on Facebook and, uh, um, you know, he was kind of, he now works for himself, he's a, he's a tree surgeon and he, uh, he was saying like, oh, you know, this it's a nightmare, this COVID-19 and, uh, just said to me, it's no difference being in the military, you know, someone's dictating your life for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, let me confine to that. In that respect, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, let, let's be honest, you know, we've um, we, we've we've been uh, we've been in this situation before where we've uh, had our movements restricted, um, normally because someone had a fight downtown or something like that, yeah, um, um but. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting from that perspective. Well, I know a few other people have talked to um, and uh, are uh, in that game feel, feel that that sort of bit of military background does help, not only with what we're going through at the moment, but also probably linking a little bit to training and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, how you, how, you, how you tackle your training. Because um, on, staying on that point a bit, would you say that um, your, your sort of preference for longer distance events, do you think a little bit of that comes from... Uh, been in something like the parachute okay. regiment, yeah, oh, probably, yeah. Um, punish, punishing yourself or being punished over long periods of time, carrying a lot of weight, um, yeah, it probably is, 
you know that that's where it probably started and yeah. didn't know it was in me until then and then you've got well you know what it's like you've got a, and we've all seen it programs on tv where you've got Aunt Middleton front of the line based in you know and you know until I think when you're in that situation you yeah yeah it is something that probably I go back to without really thinking about it yeah yeah yeah, so probably, probably just a good point. So I think um, you know, um, probably a good good time to sort of switch on to having a little bit of a chat about because we're sort of sneaking into this uh, subject now of uh, biohacking. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping an eye on the clock here because I'm pretty sure you and me could go on for the next six hours about this um, yeah. sort of thing. But um, it'd be really good. Um, I've sort of mentioned stuff over the last few podcasts. It'd be good to get um, some thoughts from you, but also have a bit of a chat about some of the stuff that you do from a sort of health monitoring and um, fine tuning sort of uh, perspective. Cause- um, Gosh, uh, Morgan, I don't know if- uh, Have you got me now? Are we back? Are you there? Ah, got you again. Yeah, we had a little sort of technological yeah, failure there. Um, but, um, yeah, I was saying about health monitoring. Um, we did a little bit of a chat about that on the podcast um, a few weeks back. and. Um, it's kind of like um, I sort of outlined in my sort of key metrics. I like you know I occasionally look at my blood pressure, probably sort of you know once or twice a month. You know I look obviously monitor my HRV and things like that um, quite regularly. What are your kind of key sort of um, metrics that you're kind of monitoring from a health perspective on a regular basis? Yeah, I think monitoring for me is um, is the, the series of tools. Really, it's not something that I live by um, sort of day to day is going to, you know, if I get a low HRV reading or whatever, I'm going to change uh, what I'm planning on doing that day, uh, unless I'm feeling particularly rubbish. Uh, I just want to use that tool. Uh, and they're all tools just to confirm what I'm actually, you know, this feeling I've got, is it actually, is it actually fatigue that my body's got? Or is it just something that's a little bit up here? And I think the bigger picture that we can get from just how you feel to what your blood's telling you, what your blood pressure's telling you, what your HRV readings are, all these things come together. And I'm not saying that anyone should sit down and, and go through everything and right, okay, well, an hour later after taking all these readings, I've decided that I can't go training. You know, it, it's yeah. like a, it's an overall feeling, but um, the general ones that I do, I um, have sort of a morning routine, really. Um, I'll, I'll get up and I'll basically chill out in the chair for five, ten minutes um, just to let my body settle down. Obviously, you've got up, you've woken up. Come downstairs, sit in the chair, chill out, and then I'll take my HRV reading from the app on my phone, which is the HRV for training. One, I think you spoke about it on your earlier yeah, yeah. podcast. Uh, I've actually, a couple of days ago, got a heart rate strap as well. So right. I've been plugging that in for the last couple of days so I can do the HRV for training one, and then I'll do the elite version, which you use. Yeah. So I've now got two HRV <laughs> metrics that I'm, I'm using. Um, that's more out of interest, really, than to dictate what, um, yeah. what I should do day to day. Uh, and then once I've done that, I'll um, I'll, I'll use a, a finger prick tester for my blood glucose, which is like this this thing here. Yeah. So it's like a finger prick. Uh, get a little bit of blood, put it on a testing strip, and then it's, uh, it sits in a machine. And then that tells me what my um, my fasting blood glucose levels are. Um, and I aiming for a range, a healthy range in, in that. And that. To be honest, that will kind of loosely dictate what I eat that day. Um, in terms of if it's quite a low reading, then I'll eat a little bit more carb than I might normally. Um, and vice versa, if it's a bit high, then I'll just be a bit more careful about it. Um, the same reader will also read my ketone levels in my blood, uh, different strips. Um, so that tells me... Um, and I don't do that as often. I don't do that every day. But that that just tells me. Um, and, and ketones are another another subject, another rabbit hole. We could dive down. 
um, uh, completely, but it's just another metric that, that I take. Um, I also weigh myself every day as well, so I keep on top of uh, food volumes and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, so they're the kind I'm of metrics. A little bit there. Yeah, can you hear me? Something's going on. Yeah, we've got you now. Um, yeah, so- so it's really interesting to see how um you know i think the interesting one there for me is and i know um, a few of the gang out of our gang out there are using hrv um you're a bit like me comparing uh, different stats so i get hrv not only from elite hrv i get it from all ring i get it you know i get it off me garmin and stuff like that and it does seem a little bit excessive but it is quite fascinating when you start seeing them tallying up or you might get a variation from the other and again i did talk about in the previous podcast about some of them are a snapshot versus you know like a, a trend over time sort of thing um i think the really interesting one if you could um sort of talk a little bit more about the blood glucose because i think that is something that you've really sort of delved into and um if you could talk a bit more about how you use that to dictate you know your training your your um carb intake and things like that because Obviously, for the benefit of the listeners, you're really into doing the keto diet, aren't you? And going, um, yeah, um, more, more low carb, um, low carb, yeah, than, than, keto, than strict keto. But um, again, it's a massive subject. There's a there's a whole um, adaptation phase of um, get taking your body from being a carb burner to uh, yeah. right food to being low carb. Um, it's um, yeah, I mean, after I'm on Switzerland last year, walking most of the uh, most of the marathon, um, that was when I kind of made the decision that something needs, something's got to change drastically diet-wise, or I'm just going to give this game up because it's just too difficult. <laughs> Do all that training, right. you get to race day, and you walk the marathon. Um, it's just it, it's just not fun anymore. Um, but yeah, so that was the point where I decided, right, let's let's uh, do something drastic here. And but I say drastic, it's not it's not drastic really, but really look at a different way of, of doing things. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, I mean, sorry, go. Yeah, I think that's when I, um, I made the shift and, and, and got back and um, really started delving again down another rabbit hole of uh, low carb and transition phases and um, you, you know, turning my body into a fat burner rather than a carb burner. But there's a lot of misconceptions that people think that because you're a low carb, you no carb, but it's not. It's about protecting the carb stores in racing. It's about eating the whole food carbs in your diet. So you're yeah. still eating carbs. Um, it's not about being ketogenic uh, as an athlete, although I think there are massive benefits for being strict ketogenic in everyday life for um, you know everyday people, really. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'll take the, the blood glucose reading, and the, the healthy range is between four and five. Um, so we want to be in that on a, on a morning. Um, and it's funny you say about the trending uh thing about the HRV. Um, obviously, that fasting glucose level that you take first thing in the morning is, is just at that point. So yeah. you might go and eat something for breakfast, and it's going to spike or or do whatever um which then took me down another route of getting a continuous glucose monitor and you probably know coming on to this um which i found just unbelievable how your body or how my body reacts to um even the slightest amount of carb intake and and intense training as well um some really crazy numbers after um, a high intensity run I was I was hitting um, it got me a bit worried actually and then uh, somebody reassured me and just said look it's just a snapshot of time of how deep you went on that session that your, your blood glucose would, would spike um, uh, and it would do that because um, obviously you're triggering your uh, your lactate yeah lactate is a a, um, a kind of sugar so it, you know, your lactate and your blood glucose go up at the same or similar, they trace each other up at a similar rate. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm probably going all over the place here. <laughs> no, no. But I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, just the benefit of the listeners. So, um, a continuous glucose monitor is um, probably some. Most people have seen it. You might see someone who's diabetic. Um, 
Whereas, well, I think I think the most famous person recently was uh, I think Theresa May was quite often seeing uh, seeing one sort of like on a on an adhesive patch on her arm sort of thing. So again, you know, I think it's really fascinating that you're using that and and doing that monitoring. Now it's probably um, if you don't mind me saying so, more extreme than most people would um, take it into it. But I, I, I thought yeah. a finger, I thought a finger prick test were just too far. Uh, yeah. I remember saying to my wife, like, "There's no way I'm going to start pricking my finger every morning." Yeah. yeah. A few months later, I'm doing, I'm doing it. Uh, it's. it's but just, I think it's, I find it fascinating. The whole human yeah. body, biohacking stats, stata, whatever you want to call me, um, I'm happy with that. Well, um, I think. For me, that's the interesting thing about you, Dan, is that you, you're kind of doing it because you've got that genuine passion and interest in yeah. seeing how different training methods, different foods, everything, how you train, live your life, your lifestyle and stuff. You're really fascinated about how how these uh, it affects these different elements. And uh, again, probably not the line that everyone wants to go for, but very much similar message to what we said previously. Um, I think it was in, in last week's podcast, I was saying about, you know, start now is a great time to experiment and start you know trying different things obviously not going too extreme and uh, but just actually making such changes and seeing how that does affect different elements of um you know your recovery your ability to train and things like that um i think it's really interesting as well that you're saying about um you know you did actually mention there about um keto and you know low carb and how um people think it's you know quite an extreme thing um and whereas it isn't actually i think probably to sum it up for me was um you know um i eat quite a low carb diet and for me it's not about low carb um obviously for me it's about health perspective but it's, it's more about making sure my big problem is i used to over consume carbs yeah, sort of yeah. yeah and that is the big problem in the general population is that people say yes you, you need carbs um as part of your diet but the amount of carbs so it's not necessarily you know um how much you're eating it's what you're eating um and in what sort of quantities and um i know where uh, um uh, my friend uh mayor ronchada so we'll get on here at some point or dr mayor ronchada the best thing i ever heard come out of his mouth recently when someone was talking about when you know, well, low carb, high fat is the term. So people are talking about, you know, high fat diet. And he basically said, if you reduce your carbs a bit, the percentage of fat is going to increase. So rather than thinking of low carb, high fat, and people panicking because they're thinking it's this diet that's going to be full of excessive amounts of fat, um, it is really just about lowering your carb content to make sure that it's within a sensible level for the amount of activity that you're doing. And that's kind of for me that's what you're the epitome of because you've actually done that great bit of work to really fine-tune it yeah i mean for me it's not high fat it's healthy fat uh, yeah. But, yeah the terminology is usually low carb high fat um and uh but no i, I, I just it's low carb healthy fat for me yeah um, it, and, it, and it's actually smart carb as well there's another one another you know, tagline you could call yeah. it um and it's just about and it, it is so much i mean i i did start this journey from a performance angle but as i've delved into it more it's it's such a health thing i mean especially now with what's going on you know if 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 we can't realize that we need to look after our bodies be it food exercise the writing is on the wall it's on the tv every every night at five o'clock and Say what you want. Uh, I had a stat tonight being stated. You know, one in three people had, who've, who've unfortunately passed away have had some form of diabetes through this. So, yeah, yeah. You know. you've just beaten me to it. I was going to, I was going to lay that one out. Um, <laughs> um, it is, and you know, um, as someone who, um, you know, was uh, carrying too much weight and, uh, amongst other things, became, uh, you know, with some stress in my life, uh, became, you know had a health problem um it i think it's really really fascinating that um there's a lot of people trying to have conversations about this and um, it's probably all right you know potentially we might get criticism um, significantly leaner than me uh, but two healthy individuals sat here sort of talking about the big 
you know, um, elephant in the room, which is, you know, obesity. Um, and uh, but it's better to say, I know, you know, for a fact, I, I've been there, I've been obese and overweight and over fat, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think going back to that point about COVID 19, I think, um, there's some stats coming out there which are truly shocking. Um, but people are almost sort of saying you can't, you know, there's been a few things flying around the uh, around social media saying you know, people are getting criticized for talking about it. But yeah, as you say, there that start of you know, one in three people who died, I think, I think the actual stat is one in three people who died in hospital, so it might be, oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, of just the people who, who, who died in hospital, um had some form of uh, diabetes now what the interesting fact for me bill is what percentage of that was type two yeah so which is which which is said to be preventable <laughs> so yeah yeah type two but yeah yeah so i think it's really interesting i think again uh fascinating to hear that someone like yourself who trains at a high level and races at a high level um your whole thing about it is about being healthy first rather than and then almost performance um is a result of that is that fair well yeah, yeah but without a doubt without a doubt um i think they all come they all come together definitely you know it health enjoyment you know performance they all all come together all come together um, yeah. they're not exclusive as a bit of each other so yeah, yeah. so certainly. so um what does your training look like at the moment then? What would you what would you say a typical week in the life of Dan Dickinson from a training perspective looks like? Well, I'm I'm quite a frequent guy. I like frequency. Um I, I like to uh, for me it's all about frequency first, then volume, and then your intensity. They're the they're the, obviously the three things that we look at. So I like to where I can train twice a day. So even even at the moment, um, so I, I'll just take you through a, a, this week if you like. Um, yeah. So yesterday would be um, an easy bike ride first thing in the garage, just on the trainer, uh, just an hour, um, staying underneath my um, staying in level two. So um, going back to your um, your sort of training zones last week, staying in the green zone if you like. Yeah. Keep it nice and um, easy. Yeah, nice and easy. Um, and then I'll push the power up and I'll just keep an eye, an eye on my heart rate and just not take it above that that point. Um, so that was uh, Monday morning. Then Tuesday, uh, sorry, Monday night, I'll then do a math test run. So I've got um, an eight-kilometre, five-mile circuit, which I will run on every Monday night. Um, and I'll stick to a – I'll warm up and then I'll run at a heart rate and then I will obviously time myself for that five five miles, and then I'll track that as the weeks go on, and um, hopefully that'll get get faster over time, which it does. Um, watching out for other things like stagnation of pace and all, all that stuff. Uh, so that's Monday, and then Tuesday morning is my hit bike ride. So again, back in the garage, I'll do quite an intense session in there. Um, yesterday I did uh, five times seven minutes at VO2 on a three-minute rest, which I'll be honest, absolute killer. But that's the point. That's that's the that's all point of it. Today I've done so that I didn't do another session yesterday because that just that just took that much out of me. I could I, I did have one on the plan, but I just sort of took a view. I just thought I'm, I'm just going to chill tonight, and then got up this morning had a brilliant HRV reading. So. Uh, that worked um, and then uh, this morning I've done a long run so again keeping it in that green zone uh, 18 mile long run um, so I've, I've got hopefully fingers crossed London Marathon coming up in October but I can't see it happening but I'm training for it anyway um, and then on the plan I've got a bike ride tonight as well in the, in the garage which again would be at that level 2 um, green zone ride similar to Monday morning, but I might not do that. feeling a bit fatigued from the run earlier. Uh, Thursday is a double bike day for me, so I'll do a specific strength. So low cadence, reps, single leg stuff on the bike on a Thursday morning. And then Thursday evening, I'll do another spin at L2 um, Green Zone again. 
Friday's a real like easier day, if you like, uh, when under normal circumstances, I'd just do a, a fairly easy swim. Um, but in a current way of things, I'll just do like a, a shorter run on a morning and, a, and maybe a shorter bike on an evening. So that's Friday. Saturday, I'll do my hit run. Um, so nice, spacing out nice and, and wide between Tuesday hit bike and um, Saturday hit run. Um, and again, it'll be a similar intensity to the bike. Um, and then Sunday will be a long ride again down at L, L1 Green Zone stuff. So all in all, you're looking 80-20 split and all that between high hit stuff and and uh, green low low intensity obviously as i get nearer to a race that'll change i'll do more in the middle moderate uh amber zone if you like um yeah, yeah. which is where for me the way i work is where the iron man and the 70.3 intensities are in that middle zone but um i'll only go into those areas as i'm getting nearer to a, a, an actual race and i'm getting a bit more specific the sort of watson paces yeah. that i want to race at so so that's yeah, that's a snapshot of my, my week. That's good, and it really interesting. We're talking about um, the other day. I think again, something that our listeners could probably learn from there is that even though you've got this quite comprehensive plan, and you said there you like the frequency and probably the consistency of doing it. Really interesting to hear that you know you've done a tough session. You kind of felt like it had taken a lot out of you, so you you actually skipped a session to allow yourself to recover and then that put set you up perfectly for the following day yeah and i think i got an 18 mile run this morning you know you gotta yeah i always think what training i'm going to do today how is it going to affect tomorrow because i yeah the other thing about the other thing i always look for is consistency got to remain consistent don't want to get injured i don't want to get sick i want to keep rolling through this and the, the the other key components to how i how i work yeah, I think it's really interesting because a lot of people would like, you know, they almost feel like because it's written in the plan, particularly if it's been given to them by a coach, that they've got to do it. Whereas yeah. I know in quite a lot of Ironman, I'm sort of telling them, going, if you don't feel up to it, if you don't feel great, or your HRV scores or your other metrics are sort of a little bit off the boil, sort of thing, just, you know, use that opportunity to get some recovery and actually be fit in a lot better shape for the next training session and maximise the next training session that comes yeah. after that you've just skipped. But yeah, That's so many it. people are obsessed about it. When, when it's time to go hard, you want to be ready to go hard. And yeah. if you're not, because you're fatigued from yesterday, you know, if I'd have gone out, if I'd have gone on the bike last night and that would have impacted my long run today, then that's, you know, that, that, that's a big part of my week is a long run. So that that's just... Yeah, it's, it's damaged that that yeah. um, that session that I'm trying to trying to aim for. No, no, that's fantastic. Um, absolutely fascinating stuff. I think um, I'm going to uh, put you on a couple of sort of quick fire questions here for you. Um, well, you can expand on if you want. Um, you're a bit like me. You like taking photographs of your food on uh, Instagram. Uh, we'll put your uh, Instagram link below um, so people can follow you. Um, What's your what's your favourite food? Now, what I'm going to put a caveat on this. What's your favourite food, healthy food, and what's your favourite food if all bets were off and you could go and have what you wanted? Fish and chips, dead easy. That second one. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I had a conversation last night with my wife, and and um, I said if I if I could just I could just smash fish and chips right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not gonna because it's just not worth it. But yeah, that would be my uh, uh, guilty pleasure um, and a big bar of Galaxy. <laughs> um, I'm a dairy milk man myself, but okay. anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a Galaxy guy. Uh, I agree with you. I, was. I, agree. I agree with on the fish and chips, but I've been proper anchoring a pork pie as well. <laughs> uh, a proper decent one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what's your, what's your, what's your favourite meal that you kind of throw together at the moment then? Uh, sort of. Yeah, I have this thing called... Um, um, it's, yeah, it's left me now. It's like a carbonara um, that I do, but it's got no, it's got no pasta in it. Leaky carbonara, that's what I call it. Leaky so, carbonara. Uh, yeah, so loads of cream because cream's good for you, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah. loads, loads of cream, loads of uh, leeks, uh, all fried. Fry up some broccoli, stick that in there. Um, and then I'll put some um, salmon, smoked salmon on top of that. Brilliant. Uh, and, and some people might say, well, that's, that's not healthy, all that cream. You have your cream in there. What are you doing? Too much fat. But uh, no, that's... Uh, that's the one that I, I enjoy yeah. amongst, yeah. amongst a lot of other things. So. No, it's um, I must admit I'm a big fan of the cream, and uh, I'm hoping that um, Bev, my other half, listening to that, so um, she can uh, get chopping some. Uh, she's looking at me through the window now. Um, so yeah, get chopping some leeks. So we uh, we get a lot of leek from our local organic farm. So um, we'll be giving that one a whirl for definite. Um, yeah, sure. Sure. What? Another sort of quick fire field. What would be your old if 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 it was kind of right? You can do it any training session you want, irrespective of what time of year it is or anything like that. What's the one training session that you absolutely love and that you you know? What's your favourite session? That's a difficult one because I change them that much. Um, uh, I did a good I did a good one on Saturday actually, and I'll be doing this one again. And it's uh, one I, I just sort of trialed it. It's one of the uh, name drop here. It's one of the Plues's um, oh. uh, pre, pre race sessions. Yeah, Dan Plues uh, over in New Zealand, who I'm a, a big fan of. Um, yeah. Anybody who knows me will know that. Um, and that's basically a warm up, warm up, right? It's a run session. Normally you do it off a bike. Um, so a bit of a pre fatigue, maybe a couple of hours at Ironman pace. Ironman power uh, off the bike, and then it's straight. Um, so if, if you're doing it off the bike, it's straight into um, a level five VO2 pace right. for a kilometer, and then dropping that down into level four, which is your threshold pace for another two kilometers after that, and then down into your level three top end, which is 70.3 for three kilometers. And then dropping down to four kilometers for your um, Ironman pace, um, with no breaks in between. So there's no rest yeah. periods. It's just start wow. off high and you and you go in. And it's um, it's one of them where you, you set off and you think, oh, yeah, I've only got a kilometer of VO2. I'm all right. You get to the you get to the your threshold bit and you're thinking, right, okay, two k's of this, that's all right. Another K and a half, and you're thinking, where's this 2K mark? <laughs> and he's yeah, not yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's a, that, that's a good I quite enjoyed that on, on Saturday. Um, but again, I, I should have done a hit session, didn't really fancy it. Thought I'd try this this session out, which is a, yeah. a, a version of, of hit. You know, you're spending a lot of time at, uh, above your uh, VT2 uh, heart rate. So, but Sorry. yeah, that's cool. Sounds like a good, um, it's almost like race simulation that, you know, because let's face it, we all come out of, um, we all come off the bike and start running too fast, don't we? Yeah, um, and uh, in fact, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a race simulation session. So yeah. you might drop that in like four weeks before a, a, an event, see how you're doing. And the, the, the trick is to be able to land, is where the training comes in, is to land that um, Ironman pace at your Ironman heart rate. Yeah. That's the trick. I went out and did it last week, and there was no way I was running that Ironman pace at my Ironman heart rate. There's just no chance. It was yeah. way, up, way up there. So that's the that, they're the kind of metrics that we're looking for in that. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, sounds good. So, um, final question. Um, we're going to uh, what? What's your? Well, yeah, we'll put a little caveat on this. What's your favourite race? And we'll say what's your favourite UK race, and what's your favourite race abroad. Um, and not just track on any race, marathons, all that. I know you do quite a bit of marathon and stuff. Yeah, um, difficult one. I, I, uh, racing abroad, I've not done that much to be honest. Um, I did Switzerland last year, and I absolutely loved the experience. Um, mostly, apart from walking that marathon. Um, so I'd have to say that yeah. one for abroad. But I think in this in this country, I'd probably. I'll probably say the Lakesman. And you might say, well, yeah, because you won your age group. Maybe that is why. But um, yeah, yeah. a great family feel about it. You're in the Lake District. It's you know, it's a nice place to be, nice surroundings. It's not over 
hyped like Iron Man. Although I do like the fact that Iron Man is this big, big event. Um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although yeah, and then again, you've got Iron Man Wales. I mean, you can't. I might I actually. I might say Iron Man Wales and just go back on everything I've just said. <laughs> yeah. um, it's difficult, isn't it? and I've I've never had a great race at Wales. Uh, I think few people have, but that I think and down there it's the people. Tenby is just uh, it's 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 either becoming or it has become the the uh, like triathlon mecca for um, for this country for uh, well, England and Wales, if you like. So. Yeah, yeah. No, good stuff. So, um, just want to say a big, huge thank you to you, Dan, for coming on and sharing with us your thoughts. And like I say, from my perspective, it's great to catch up with you in, uh, in general. Like I say, we've not, um, we've not had a chance to have a coffee for a while. Um, yeah. um, so, great to have you on. We'll probably get you back at some point. And, um, you know, yeah, um, definitely. Um, again, I'll say it again. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can corner Mr. Um, Mr. Corns at some point, Paul Corns, and see if we can get him on at the same time. And, yeah, and maybe Vaughn as well. That'll be a laugh. Yeah, Vaughan will be a good one. Yeah, we'll yeah. get Vaughan on. Um, yeah. All that sort of thing. I'll have to make sure uh, I've got more than 50p in the meter for that one if Vaughan's coming um, And what have you? But no, um, part of this is to get people like yourself on, you know, um, what, I like, you know what I like to call local heroes, people who are uh, sort of pushing oh, the boundary. Well, you know, it's, um, it, it's great to hear what you're talking about. And even though you are someone who takes it to another level, um, it's fascinating for people to, you know, people can really probably relate to what you're doing and uh, see the benefits that you're getting from it sort of thing. So uh, big thank you for that. Um, so listeners, um, we're going to, um, we're going to uh, sign off there. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'll put some links to uh, Dan's social media um, stuff down in the, uh, in the show notes, but um um, we'll be back next week. Um, we may have another guest next week, so uh, look out for that one. And uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Thanks again.